In the summer of 1818, John Keats took a very long walk. He had spent the winter and spring holed up in Devonshire, caring for his tubercular brother Tom. As a physician trained at one of London's most prestigious hospitals, John must have known that his younger brother's condition was almost certainly terminal. Meanwhile, his other younger brother, George, was planning to set sail for the American West with his newly wedded wife. The Keats brothers were orphans. Their one sister, 15-year-old Fanny, was difficult for them to visit, thanks to a rather sinister guardian who strictly limited access. Their inheritance was similarly sequestered. In short, John Keats was separated, or about to be separated, from his entire close-knit family. If that wasn't bad enough, he had just published a book of poems, Endymion, to virtually no notice, let alone acclaim. So he went for a walk. He was four months shy of twenty-three. Three years later, he would be dead of tuberculosis. The idea for the walk belonged less to Keats than to his friend Charles Brown. Brown was also trying to make a name for himself as a writer, but without a medical degree to fall back on. At the time, he lived a ten-minute stroll from Keats in the London village of Hampstead. Brown was a hardy traveler on foot. Together, Brown and Keats planned to walk through the Lake District, into and around southwestern Scotland, across the Irish Sea into Ireland, back to Scotland and north to Glasgow, through the Inner Hebrides, and then straight through the Highlands to John O'Groats, a village widely, though incorrectly, believed to be the northernmost settlement in mainland Britain. The pair at least contemplated a return route as well, cutting east across Scotland through Perthshire to Edinburgh, and then south into northeastern England. If they had taken this route, they would have walked well over a thousand miles. With money scarce and his brother's situation fragile, Keats hesitated to start such a long journey. But at heart, he seems to have wanted it deeply. To his friend, the painter Benjamin Hayden, he wrote, I purpose to make a sort of prologue to the life I intend to pursue. I will clamber through the clouds and exist. I will get such an accumulation of stupendous recollections that as I walk through the suburbs of London, I may not see them. On the surface, the letter is exuberant, but I take its buoyant tone with a grain of salt. After all, Keats is suggesting that as things were, he felt as if he hardly existed. He would prefer, it seems, to paint over his London life with memories of something else. I hear the same desperate wanderlust in a letter from around the same time to his medical school friend John Reynolds, where Keats hints at this bleaker motive, this need to purge his spirit in the hope of its renewal. I have many reasons for going wonder ways, to make my winter chair free from spleen, to enlarge my vision, to escape disquisitions on poetry and criticism. If Brown holds his mind, over the hills we go. So over the hills they went.